the Black Hand, the paramilitaristic sect within a sect of the Sabbat. So infamous are they for their ruthless skills of murder and violence that many kindred of the Camarilla equate the two. To them there is no distinction between Sabbat and Black Hand, and that is just how the Hand wants it. They are a force unafraid of final death and willing to sacrifice all for their ancient mission. Before we continue, I must inform you that the secrets I am about to reveal are above and beyond the legends and tales you have heard until now. The Black Hand's influence stretches far, and by partaking of this forbidden fruit, you will forever carry with you knowledge that marks you as different from your fellow Cainites. You have been warned. Before the Hand was separated and spread out amongst the packs of the Sword of Cain, before they became the militant wing of the sect, and before they made enemies with the Sabbat Inquisition, yes, even before they were the Lost Tribe, there was Dastar Anosh. There is much to be said about Anosh's life before his embrace into the Banu Hakim, but some things are of greater importance. He is said to have been an acolyte of Sarathustra, a magi of some skill, and born with a gift for prophetic visions through dreams. Two recurring themes of his dreams were a weeping stone, tears of blood trickling down its surface, and an inconsolable woman sobbing into the night. A scholar who had taken it upon himself to document these visions convinced Anosh that they should venture out to find this stone, and when they finally did find it, beautifully carved and stood in a field of iron-red sand, the scholar tasted of the blood that indeed was running down its rocky surface, only to succumb to a bestial frenzy. Before Anosh could escape, he had been killed and subsequently embraced by the scholar. They traveled to the Alamuts, the scholar overcome with Anosh's visions, having drunk them in along with his blood. And the Banu Hakim insisted that the blood of Zilla was related, whatever that was. At Talamut, Anosh was questioned, examined, and finally allowed to live due to his sire's reputation and virtue. The two left once more, not to the stone again, for the inhabitants of Alamut were following them, wanting to know its location, but rather in a roundabout way, giving the scholar time to tutor Anosh in the arts of war and of the Vitae. When finally they were confronted once more, ordered to return to the eagle's nest, Anosh's sire slew the three Banu Hakim facing them, and after that they swore that they would never return to their clan's ancient bastion. For years they traveled, the scholar growing troubled by the visions he suffered. He saw, again and again, the betrayal of the third generation the scholar would wake, screaming and weeping blood from his daily slumbers, and soon he had earned himself the moniker of the Weeping Master. He would also fly into random fits of rage after these visions, embracing whoever he had killed during them, and Anosh soon found himself the unwilling leader and caretaker of this lost tribe of the element, as the Weeping Master had not the mental presence to care for them. When finally they returned to the Weeping Stone, each of the Master's childer tasted of its tears, the last to do so being Anosh. He fell into a trance once more, witnessing the same things his sire had, and once he was roused from these visions he knew it was his duty to carry on Zilla's legacy. Over the next couple of centuries the Lost Tribe slowly grew in number as they built a haven near the Weeping Stone, securing the location from outsiders and treating the Master as their prophet and Anosh as his interpreter. 
but it was not to last. And as the Lost Tribe realized that the Element's agents were once more close to finding them, they dispersed, the bulk of their cult traveling to Alexandria and hiding themselves there. There they remained for some time, studying passages of the fabled Book of Nod and learning more of the third generation so that they would be ready when the time came. Yet before it did, the Banu Hakim found them once more, and many of the Lost Tribe were slaughtered, and the Weeping Master was brought back to the Element. Anosh and a few others from his tribe managed to escape, suspecting that it had been the followers of Set who had sold them out. He scattered his followers, afraid for their safety should they remain with him, and then returned to the Weeping Stone in 139 BCE, where he drank once more from it before succumbing to torpor in the iron-rich soil. When once more he made his presence known, centuries later, he had already infiltrated the element for a long time, spying upon them and searching for his missing master. Once he was discovered, he escaped with ease, returning to the Weeping Stone and summoning his tribe to him once more. He had changed, the once meek and scholarly Anosh now a firebrand preacher. He roused them all to feed from the Weeping Stone's blood in excess, and for ten nights they partook in drunken revelry of visions and rapture. But when those ten nights had passed, Anosh slew a whole third of the tribe, for they had been traitors to his instructions. They had not pursued means to fight the antediluvians, nor had they kept quiet about their sacred task to others. Those who survived branded themselves with the blood of these traitors, drawing a crescent moon on themselves to commemorate the night in which the lost tribe had been born anew. For years after, they all went their separate ways, reuniting only once a year at the anniversary of this cleansing to exchange what they had learned, and to induct new faithful into the tribe. As you have no doubt realized, the ideology of the lost tribe, that the antediluvians are the true evils, is very similar to that of the Sabbat, and it is so for a reason. The original Anarchs waged a war against their elders, demanding freedom, while the lost tribe instead sought vengeance for the third generation's betrayal against the second. It was Gratiano de Veronese's plan to murder his sire that first brought these two factions together. Anosh, realizing the potential in both the relatively young La Sombra and the movement he was inspiring as well, quickly decided that the nascent Anarchs needed some guidance. He wanted dearly to end one of the antediluvians, and what better opportunity than this? Appius Claudius Corvus, Anosh's La Sombra lieutenant, joined the infiltration as well, and while they did not partake directly in the diablerie of the founder, they made their usefulness known to Gratiano. It was around this point where Parvati, or Chandrakanta, as she was also known, became a crucial member of the Lost Tribe. Despite her relatively young age, she was learned beyond her years, and Parvati brought with her vast stores of knowledge from the East as she was inducted into the Lost Tribe. Much of the doctrine of the Black Hand stems from her teaching, and Anosh himself appointed her his scholar, seeing the value in what she taught. Eventually, the Lost Tribe also ended up taking part in the murder of Tsimitsi. Vikos and Velia the Flayer, two of the conspiracy's leaders, sought out Gratiano for help in the destruction of their great-grandsire, and he in turn offered the help of his inner circle, which at this point Corvus had joined. Through careful planning and, believe it or not, the aid of the Tremere, these advisors managed to distract the slumbering antediluvian enough that the deed could be done, Lugoi entering Torpor after having consumed the heart's blood of the founder. One story says that Gratiano, having become suspicious of the true nature of his allies, cornered Corvus and demanded to know who they truly were. 
Not wishing to reveal the Lost Tribe's noddest roots, Corvus improvised and claimed to be a member of the Black Hand, a name suitably dark and mysterious as far as conspiracies go. Regardless of its origin, the name stuck and would later on replace the original name of the Lost Tribe. When the Convention of Thorns crushed the majority of the Anarch Revolt's spirit, the Black Hand was there to pick up the pieces. They were far from the only ones who wanted to give this new Sabbat its guiding directions, but they did manage to influence and maneuver this newborn sect enough that the destruction of the Antediluvians became its primary purpose. Naturally, as the Sabbat grew more cohesive, so too did more Cainites seek entry into the Hand, and once they learned of the true purpose of it, it became established that all new members must make a pilgrimage to the Weeping Stone and drink from its blood as part of their induction. This inflamed many leaders of the Sabbat who disliked the idea of a sect within a sect, and it may even have led to the eventual destruction of Anosh himself. Before the first Sabbat civil war, Gorkist, the Sabbat regent, ordered that the Black Hand disperse their agents amongst the packs of the Sabbat, ostensibly in order for them to keep an eye on the warriors. The Hand, of course, took advantage of this, seeing in it an opportunity to broaden their own influence, and the newly born Inquisition, who had influenced Gorkist towards this decision, wrung their hands in frustration when they realized that they had not weakened the Hand, but strengthened it. When the first Sabbat civil war, of which I have spoken of before, raged in the New World, Anosh and Jalan Ajav, a formidable warrior of the Black Hand, both left for the Americas to help settle it. It was here that Anosh met his final death, by forces unknown, and thus the Lost Tribe had to find a replacement. But because of his importance, Anosh's role was split into four, four Cainites each carrying on his legacy. They were the Seraphim, composed of Ijim Murbal, the first of the Banu Hakimanti tribu, Jalan Ajav, Corvus, and Wanyan. And together they would lead the hand, although they rarely agreed completely on what course of action to take. During the Second Civil War, the Black Hand expanded greatly, enjoying an influx of new recruits amongst anti-tribu of many clans. Galbraith, the newly appointed regent of the Sabbat, was aided by Jalan Ajav to establish something of a Sabbat capital in Mexico City, and the two worked closely together since then, bringing the hand ever closer to the Sabbat leadership. The Seraph also convinced leaders on both sides of the aisle to sit down for peace talks, ending the civil war faster than expected. Up until the Code of Milan, the Black Hand had worked in secret, but following its implementations, they instead began to openly display their membership, becoming the face of Sabbat violence that it is known for today. Yet, despite its long history of apoliticism, many leaders within the Sabbat are questioning whether the Black Hand truly stands outside the struggle for dominion over the sect. Seraph Corvus was allegedly destroyed in the 1950s in the Rite of Monomacy by Elimelech, who subsequently took his place, and Seraphim Ijim and Juha have both departed for unknown locations, leaving acting Seraphims in their stead. It is also rumored that access to the Weeping Stone has been compromised, and the Black Hand find themselves once more targets of acts of aggression from outside forces. Or is it, as some whisper, that another secret order of Cainites have nestled themselves into the Black Hand, waiting for the opportunity to strike out and destroy the lost tribe once and for all? The age of Gehenna has surely come, for the antediluvian snow has risen from his slumber to guide us with firm hand and judgment as we proceed. Our gratitude is eternal. 
but we would also like to pay our respects to the Methuselah storyteller in Ireland, ancient and powerful as he, and Aubrey Ayers, whose wisdom transcends the boundaries of our understanding. We are truly blessed to be advised by their brilliance. The Primogen Council would also especially thank some members for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, 06, and Stonewolf, 18. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. We would also like to thank our elders Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells Its Blood, and Remy Van Roy, who receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancillae Colin Gifford and Harry Wyckoff for their support. Likewise, our stalwart neonates receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Will you join the Gehenna Wars and take your place by your master's side?